Welcome back to About Last Night. I'm your host, Anna Wiest, an advocate for justice, with Francis Scarcella, reporter for The Daily Item. When we left off last week, Francis told us about a letter that The Daily Item received that was addressed to him and caused a lot of commotion. On the morning of November 12, 2013, a body was found on an alley in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Later identified as Troy LaFerrera, the victim of a gruesome murder had been stabbed more than 20 times. Sunbury police spent weeks investigating the crime before arresting 18-year-old Miranda Barber, followed by her husband, Elliot, just a few days later. With ties to Satanism and their self-described desire to just kill someone together, the couple was soon recognized nationwide as the Craigslist killers. Just a few days into 2014, Fran got a call from the office, telling him to get in there, fast. When he arrived, his colleagues stood around his desk, looking at an envelope addressed to Francis Scarcella. So Francis, the letter that changed your life, tell me about it. Well, it was part of what was kind of life-changing in this career anyway, but... So I was at home, and I got a phone call from the office saying, hey, you might want to come in, there's mail here for you. So we get mail on occasion, you know, here and there, and uh, I went in, and I saw Northumberland County Prison at the time it was called, and it said Miranda Barber on top. And I'm like, wow. So I opened it up, and she said, come on in, let's have a chat. And From Miranda. From Miranda. So the process began, and I immediately... And it was a long process, wasn't it? It was a very long process. Uh, it was just a very long process. Without getting into the uh, what we call the inside baseball part of it, there was a bit of a confusion with names on a list, names not on a list, if media was allowed in, if media wasn't allowed in. Obviously, she she must have made some some threats to the people in the prison or made some kind of crazy, you know, statements before that they just didn't want her uh, voice to be heard. We fought for her voice to be heard. It was a big back and forth situation so the, for about a month. So they wouldn't let you in the prison to talk to her? Yeah, well, my name wasn't originally, it wasn't on a list. But then she just, put it on the list, didn't she? And then she took it off a list. And then she put it back on the list. So yes, yeah, so it was a big, it was a big, very big, confusing situation on on everybody's fault. And again, it's a lot of inside baseball part of it that I wouldn't get on. And we battled them back and forth, and they battled us back and forth. And then eventually, about a month later, is when I got, uh, which we'll get into, is when I got the phone call. So were you able to go in and meet with a prisoner before Miranda Barber? So. Yes and no. It depended on the situation. So sometimes we went in and did stories on recovering addicts or stuff, stuff like that. I don't. I didn't really ever go into uh, the Northumberland County Prison prior to that on a one-on-one interview basis. So it was kind of no. So the answer to that would be no. So it was just like a, a back and forth. You know what I mean? It was just a battle back and forth. But if you were able to go in. But they were set up. They were set up through media departments to go in. It was a, it was a, like an addict who wanted to speak or somebody who wanted to have. But whoever was in charge of the jail that, at that time got to decide what went out and what stayed in. As far as the person? As far as the media. 
who yeah. was able to talk and who wasn't. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And they decided that Miranda Barber wasn't able to talk. Correct. Okay. And we went up and we went above and beyond to. And we won't name any names no, about who was. It doesn't matter, right? But yeah, but we went, it's over. They're not there anymore. Right. So. But we went above and beyond to uh, ensure that even though this young woman who allegedly at the time had killed a man violently with mm-hmm. her husband mm-hmm. still had the right to speak. Right. Because that's and we're what not we do. in any way like defending her. Not even the least bit. But... As a matter of fact, I spoke to the victim's uh, mother. Mm-hmm. about this during that time and she was like please get in mm-hmm. please mm-hmm. get in i want to hear what this what this woman has to say and why yeah do what you can to because get because even i mean obviously there's like no form of closure that can make what they did okay no. but it does provide at least something they for get the an family. insight of something that's going yeah. on so when they said that when the when uh when uh, Mr. Lafar's mother had said that to me which i still am in contact to to this day mm-hmm. she's an awesome 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 lady Mm -hmm. when she asked that and sounded very sincere about going in we kind of stepped it up a little bit and 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 pushed as far as we can and i gotta tell you even up until the end i didn't think we were i didn't think we were i didn't think we were gonna get it yeah so at the time the the jail whoever was there was deciding what what stayed in what stayed out have you been since have you been able to talk to someone in the prison yeah they since so so again with the with the times changing, even almost ten years ago now, they were able to update their policy. So yes, okay. there is times where now we can get in. Okay. Other than that kind of stuff that was going on at the time, the back and forth between the jail and the Daily Item, there was also obviously investigators, police were still working on this case. On January twenty first, two thousand fourteen. Francis reported that Miranda and Elliot's former roommate, the one they had recently been living with in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania, told him that police had removed a satanic Bible from under the couple's bed during one of the many searches in the house. And I believe you talked to this former roommate that Miranda and Elliot had been living with in Sealands Grove, who told you that something was removed from under their bed during one of the searches in that house. A satanic Bible. They told me about a satanic Bible. A satanic Bible. And yep. up until this point, had you had any indication that no. these... No, I didn't even know, to be honest with that you... That they were Satan worshippers. I didn't even know that there was... I didn't even have... I never... That even that looked, was such a thing. Well, I knew it was a thing, but I never really even paid attention to it or looked at it. It was not my Because it's something, I've, at least for me... It's like something that you hear about, but it's like you never have this one-on-one encounter with, so you don't... Oh, but I did. Oh, well, come, you did now. <laughs> come down the road, I did not yeah. just with them, but I also had an encounter with the Church of Satan themselves. Yes, which we will get into. Which we will shortly. get into. And I sat directly uh, across the uh, in, in a room with the yeah. Church of Satan people. So uh-huh. it was kind uh-huh. of a uh-huh. kind of a real interesting situation. And this woman, she worked with the police at the time. Yes, she was a former Satanist. The, the woman that worked with the police. So, are you talking about the one that I interviewed? I don't know. Am I? I well, I... Neveling? I, yeah, no. I interviewed her on my own. Okay. I got her on my own. They had contacted a a New York City... Uh, a New York City de- detective who worked on uh, crimes of the in that nature, in the okay. satanic okay. world. I found this woman on my own because I was doing a story on finding out what the attraction to, was to this mm-hmm. and what former 
uh, satanic uh, Bible worshiper, whatever people, yeah. you know, did. So I reached out to her and she started to look at things and she started giving me explanations on the numbers. Yeah. Number one. Uh, 11 11 I mean there was a bunch of different uh it happened at 11 11 on November 1st Miranda posts the Craigslist ad at 1 11 a.m Miranda posted an ad November 11th 11 11 was Elliot's birthday also the day that the murder was committed just to reiterate because that was a little confusing according to former Satanist Adele Neveling in the Church of Satan, the number one symbolizes strength, determination, and one who is unwavering and with specific goals in mind. The number one shows up several times in this case. On November 1st, or 11-1, Miranda posted a Craigslist ad. At 1-11 a.m., Miranda posted a Craigslist ad. November 11th, or 11-11, was Elliot's birthday and also the day the crime took place. What were you thinking when she's telling you this stuff about the number one and that Satan? I'm, that I'm weighing over my head? Like, literally. That I'm, like, weighing over my head in this, and I and to, to even report any of this at this point, I don't know. Because this I mean, is when, even, okay, so, like, the initial story with this couple and just wanting to kill someone and the Craigslist ad, it's already, like, a lot. But then this is where the, the aspect of the Satan stuff starts getting thrown in there and it just adds this whole nother layer to it Uh, and it's so bizarre so bizarre yes it's crazy the roommate that had told you about the bible said that the police found the bible but he says again we go back to this thing where everyone's defending elliot and kind of saying that miranda's the monster which maybe was the case i don't know but he says elliot was not a satan worshiper that's what the roommate is in uh the in uh in Pennsylvania was saying yes that the one in Sealands Grove had said that in, in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. the one in North Carolina said ah uh-uh, they were Satanists okay they were really into, okay. into some crazy practices uh-huh, uh-huh. so that interview came down to that to like my god this is like this is like so bizarre mm-hmm. so we ran the story The story also reported that Neveling said only people who were really into the religion, devout Satanists, had the Bible. She also said that a Satanist choice of weapon would be a sword, but a long knife would suffice. The roommate told Francis that the knife police took from the house was about the length of a forearm. Before I knew it, man, we just start getting calls from everywhere about mm-hmm. about you know how, how do we know the blah 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 everything and this is like i mean you're talking this was like towards the end you're now going into about two months since they've been arrested and i just yeah. stayed on this continuously right right so in order to talk about that again we're gonna have to come back to it when we get deeper in when i finally you know sit down with miranda so we'll have yeah. to go back to that and you'll find out what that actually meant, what those numbers actually yeah. meant, and if we were right. But it did take a little lull after that. Mm-hmm. Kind of, we just kind of calmed down because there was court appearances coming up, mm-hmm. and then I got a phone call uh, from Miranda's mother. Yeah. And what did she say? I'm coming to Pennsylvania, and I'd like to sit down and talk to you. Oh boy. She was very nice. I got to say, the mother was very nice. You know, she, she wanted to come up. She had set up a uh, 
she had set up a visit with Miranda. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were making the trip out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that you know this, but her mother has since passed away. She had died. Okay. She died. Mm-hmm. But she was she was always very respectful and very nice. But she came up mm-hmm. and sat, and we actually ate dinner, and and we talked about you know she was crying and and the whole nine yards. And she said yes, yeah, she was into Satanism, and she was it was mind boggling. And didn't the mom say to you that Miranda asked her why the daily item like wouldn't come see her? She did. She said to find out because they never told her we were fighting to get in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, pretty much the jail just let her think that you yes. were just not coming. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they, they leaned that way. I just don't think they said anything. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I just right, don't right, think right. they said anything. So the mom gets up here and uh, she tells me she has it set up with the jail to go see her and go sit and, and meet. And they drove all the way up here. They only had like two days mm-hmm. in and out. It was an in and out trip. And I said, okay, great. Uh, call as soon as you get in. We walked her over to the jail and said, as soon as you get out, come back over and I'll wait here for you. Mm-hmm. About two minutes later, she called bawling. Bawling, crying. They moved Miranda. They moved her. Uh, yep. And never told her mother. No, did they know that the mom was coming? Yes, she had it set up. She had a visit. She was a she was a family. I mean, they had it set up, and they moved her. They whisked her away, and they put her in Muncie State Prison, one of the two female state prisons in Pennsylvania. Wow. And she couldn't get in. Wow. She came all the way up for nothing. Mm-hmm. So she did not see her daughter. And this was on, you reported this on February 9th, 2014, just yep. to give a little bit of a timeline here. Yep. Uh, we have, we actually took pictures of her mother in, in front of the jail mm-hmm. and she couldn't get into a state prison. There's just no way to get into a state prison that fast. And she had to turn and go home. So, so Miranda's mom and actually Elizabeth Dean is her name. And she mm-hmm. is actually was not able to see her daughter until closer to the, to the like court hearing dates when mm-hmm. everything kind of calmed down. So it was a long time before she got to see her mother. So but in the meantime, when she came up, she'd bring me uh, Miranda's diary, which oh, right, right, right. we got to we get into later on. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Sholly Insurance Agency is an independent insurance company that has been family owned and operated since 1985. When you enter their branches in Lewisburg and Sealands Grove, you will be welcomed by local agents who understand your needs and want to help you find the right coverage at the best price. Locally based and community oriented, Sholly Insurance will help you protect what you love. Head to shollyagency.com for more information. Sholly Insurance Agency, we are here to help. Let's go back to when she told you that her daughter was into, like, this whole Satanism thing. So she told you that Miranda had hooked up with a guy in Alaska, like, way back in Alaska when she lived there, who was into this Satanic stuff. Yes. And she told her mom that the man owned her. And that Miranda had to do whatever he said. What what was her mom like when she was telling you this stuff? Like, she did was, she seem she like was, it was so normal? No, because we all. hear not it and all. it's not yeah, normal. Not at all. I mean, she, you know, she obviously there was issues with Miranda that I didn't know at the time until later on. Mm-hmm. But no, she was a mother who was just like, this is, you know, sick. This is sick. Yeah. Uh, I I also think that she kind of had some, she had some of her own issues. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Right. Uh, but. 
Yeah, I mean, she was she was hard. You could see she was heartbroken. It was her, it was her kid. Yeah. And it was like, you know, it's you can just see it in her eyes. So she wasn't like, oh, this is... She did blame Elliot, uh, which they nicknamed him Elf because he looked like a little elf. Right. So they did. She did blame him and said she was doing fine. She left Alaska. She went down there. She had a job. She was paying her own car insurance. She was doing great. Mm-hmm. And then she met with Elliot and things just started to take a massive downhill spiral for both mm-hmm. of them really and they got into some crazy shit i mean i'm here yeah. to tell you it was some crazy shit she and the mom also told you that the guy in alaska had branded her yes by carving a swastika on the back of her neck yes and his name on her thigh yeah they, did you ever confirm that she, like did miranda she, she, say the same thing she did kind of she okay. said yes she said yes that he did but i i mean i don't know i could just tell you that she was she was a sex slave I mean, and she was part of trafficking, and they trafficked her a lot as mm-hmm. a young kid. Mm-hmm. And then Miranda's mom, like, had hope for her daughter. When she moved to North Carolina, she said, like, she was doing much better. She had gotten a new job, whatever. I th- did, she said, and then she met uh, Elliot, and things took a turn for the worse. Mm-hmm. So this is on February 9th. Just a few days go by, and what's ha- what happens? So it was... Uh, valid. Well, let's say Miranda's mom left. Right, right, right. <laughs> she leaves. She goes back home to North Carolina. So it's uh, Valentine's Day, 2014. I'm sitting at my desk and my phone rings. And I pick it up and they say, Mr. Scarcella. And I said, yep, who's this? You're scheduled for 8.30 p.m. Northumberland County Prison for a visit with Miranda Barber. And I said, who is this? I said, I'm just telling you, your name is back on the list and you are there at 8.30 p.m. I would be there. And I said, is this real? And she said, I would be there at 8.30 p.m. Have a great day. Hung up. And I'm like, what the hell? And... I tell them at the office and everybody's like, well, good, go. I'm like, I, something's just not right. Something just doesn't seem right. Well, all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, this seems to happen. So one of the other reporters, Rick Dandies, comes outside. I said, walk over to this jail with me. So was that like 25 after 8 p.m. now? And he's like, walk over. And by the way, it is Valentine's Day. So I was at the time supposed to be in Florida and I stayed around. But uh, so I go... We walk across the street, and the newspaper is very close to the jail at the time, right across the street. So we go. Yeah, there's like a, you ring it, and it sounds exactly like you would see in the movies, like a prison. They open the door. It clicks. I walk in. I go over. The lady's like, can I help you? And I said, I have an 830 uh, visit with Miranda Barber. And I saw her look on the list, and she looked up, and I saw another lady come over, and she said, not dealing with it his name's on the list and she's like well who do we call and she said nobody his name's on the list he comes in and they walked me through and i sat down in this there was one other person in there so there was like four seats if i remember correctly and there was glass in between but you didn't need the glass because you could have talked right through it but there's phones in there but in all reality i could have leaned my head around the glass and talked to her one-on-one but you got to stay on the glass there was a lady sitting at a desk I was the first seat. Like when you when you would walk in, I would have been the first 
thing you saw. And then three seats down, there was another lady waiting. And I was sitting there and a couple minutes went by and now I'm starting to beat and beat and beat. And I guess we'll get into that next week. Next week, we will be sharing the original jailhouse interview between Francis and Miranda Barber, along with commentary between Francis and I throughout. It is exclusive audio and you don't want to miss it. This podcast is produced by Harv Productions, LLC.